I'll start that and I'll start this just for backup. Well, it, it is good to be back at 116. I mean, just to be honest, I'm used to normally seeing Brady and Trish and Angela and Jamie, some of them, you know, almost weekly, but man, I don't know. It's been, a, gosh, it seems like it's been a few months or something. We haven't been able to go to the bus station, so... Uh, last week, Brady asked me if I could come last week. Well, there was no possible way. My, my Sunday was so busy, it was unreal. And I said, I can do the next week if that would work for you. So anyways, the Lord worked it out. Uh, we're here today. And, uh, and I'm glad. And you know something? I, I want to encourage you every time I come. And, and if you don't know my background, uh, we, we were in a very small church, much like this right here. Except we didn't usually have a cool church building that anybody let us use. We were we met in a low income housing thing for a little bit, and but we met mostly uh, just house to house, having church in our living room and such, and and uh, and you know there were struggles in that. But I'll tell you, the the people that we were that was a part of our group, we're, we're still close to this day, even though God has taken us to another church now, and. Uh, and the rest of them are where we were at at Sovereign Grace. It has been, it, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just like uh, the love, the fellowship, the bond that you have. I believe those things are just, just they just last the rest of your life. Um, this morning, I'm going to be in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be going through the text uh, from verse 5 to verse 12. And if you are able... Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of the Lord? I want to read this. This is just my custom that I do. And uh, if you got your place, uh, I'll just pick up where, where Paul was writing to the saints in the Corinthian church. And in verse 5, Paul writes and he says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia. He says, For I'm passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Father, this morning, as we have gathered in your name, it is my prayer, Lord, that all that is done today, that God, it would, everything, the songs, the the fellowship, the preaching of your word, it would be to your glory. That God, that in all things, we would always remember that we're your children, you're our Father. And everything we do, we want to glorify you. And my prayer, Lord, is that everything that's done will be for our good, for our building up. I pray, God, that your word would be preached as it ought to be preached. 
and that our Lord and Savior would be magnified today. We pray that your will would be done, nothing more, nothing less. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I I will tell you this, uh, when Brady said we're going to turn to uh, Acts chapter 16, I thought, well, I think he's trying to get into my sermon a little bit. And, you know, when he said, I just have a feeling from the title that we're going to be talking about the leading of the Spirit, my wife looked at me, she said, did you tell him anything? And I said, no, I just told him the title. But you're absolutely right. And I'm going to be honest with you, this was the text that I preached in our church this morning, and so I'm sitting there this week, because later this week I'll be preaching in in Kansas at Dexter Priest, uh, their church is a conference this Sunday, or Saturday and Sunday, I'll be speaking on both days, and and you know, um, I was sitting there thinking, like, you know, just just praying, like, Lord, what message do you want me to preach? Because I'm going to be honest, when I got to looking at this, it just... Sometimes we, when we start a, a, a book out or we end a book, we just almost feel like those things are just kind of like getting started and here's the real stuff, and now Paul's just wrapping it up. I wanted to keep you in mind that all of the Word of the Lord is inspired by God. Every bit of it, the Holy Spirit, were having men, you know, and they were inspiring them to write and pin these things down. And so every time, it seems like every time I get into a text... My first response is, I have no idea what I'm going to say here. But the Lord is good and things start coming together. So the title of the message is, It's Our Plans and God's Direction. And, and I want to read this to you. Where I got the title actually comes out of Proverbs 16.9. And it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Every one of us, we have desires, we have plans, we have ambitions, you know, dreams, and all these things in life. And, you know, we don't just sit around and just like setting up at the sky saying, God, lead me. No, we're actually doing things. I mean, there's some of you that are a little bit younger than me, and, you know, maybe you've gone to school or whatever, and, you know, you might have had a job where you thought, this is going to be my job the rest of my life, and then yet... That didn't happen for a number of reasons. It could be the business could have closed down. You know, there could have been anything. You could have got fired. You know, somebody offered a better job and things change. So we need to always remember that even though, you know, we we are making plans in life, our God is sovereign and He is directing our steps either directly or indirectly. Yeah, I kind of stumbled on that directly word. So, But do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes when God is, is, is directing our steps, we're not always aware of that at the moment. And I'll just give you some things. You know, we look at jobs, school, careers, marriage. There's a lot of people that in life they meet a girl or they meet a guy and it's like, oh, I just know this is the one. And you're sitting here today with not that person. You know, it's like, man, that wasn't what God's will was. Children, uh, think about that. I mean, you know, we live in a time where people decide how many kids they're going to have oftentimes, and then, uh, oh, surprise, that happens sometimes. We, t- we, we plan where we're going to live in life. We just had three, three families, two, no, three from Texas, one from Yukon, Oklahoma, move to the Bow Eggs area. 
Now, I know Bowlegs is a place where everybody wants to be, right? That is like the hot spot of Oklahoma. And I can almost guarantee if you'd ask these people a few years ago, I'd say, is your dream to live in Bowlegs, Oklahoma? They'd say, I've never heard of a place and probably not. So whatever their plans were, God has directed their steps to Bowlegs. And I want to share this with you, and I kind of don't want to share it with you, but I do want to share it with you. Last, well, counting last Sunday and this Sunday, we, we actually got, we were able to add 12 members to our church. I mean, it's been the craziest thing. God has just brought them. I mean, you know, pastors get accused and blamed for people leaving, but I didn't hear anybody give me the credit <laughs> for people coming. But... Uh, and I, and I would take none. I mean, I'm just sitting there just blown away like everybody else. Now, the last thing I want to talk about on these plan, our plans in God's direction is ministry. There's times that a person will, maybe they're a pastor and they land in a church and they love the place. They, they love where it is. They love the place. They love the, you know, everything about it. And they'll say, man, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I don't know if Paul Priest will listen to this. But him and Charlie are like, yeah, this is the end all. We, we are where God wants us. Well, that may be true. And then they may find a time in their life where God prompts them to go somewhere else. Charlie, if you're listening, I apologize now. So, so here's the thing. When we're looking at these things, you know, there's a, an Old Testament passage in Numbers chapter 9. And God is, is telling the children of Israel how He's going to lead them. And he said, in the daytime, there's going to be this cloud. It's like a, a pillar, you know, this cloud. And then that cloud, is, is, it, it rises up into the sky and it takes off. You're to pack your tent. You're to get all the clothes, get the children, and you are to follow that. But when that cloud stops, you're to stop. You're to pitch your tent. You're to set up camp and you're not to move. And, and in the nighttime, it was a pillar of fire. By day, it was a cloud. And God said, whether, whether you're here two days, a month, or a year, if that cloud doesn't move, you don't move. But if that cloud starts moving, it's time for you to move. And that's what we really want to understand as, as Christians. And so I want to talk to us today, and the first point, if you're a note taker, is Paul's plans. And, and I added this today, you know, if you like alliteration, I can give you one on the first note. Paul's personal plan. This is what Paul's desire was. Now, I, I have a feeling you're probably a little bit familiar with the Corinthian church in the sense that it's not the church you want to pattern your church after. Okay, They had a lot of problems. But now, in the beginning, Paul was sent to Corinth by God and he preached the gospel and people were getting saved. He spent 18 months there just continually teaching and, and training the, the church there. He leaves and then Apollos comes on the scene and shows up. So right off the bat, and somewhere in there, Peter shows up. Now, in, in Corinthians, Paul refers to him as Cephas. But the Corinthians had their favorite preachers, right? That's what reform stuff's all about. We all got to get our favorite guys, right? Can the Vody stand? people stand? You know, it's ridiculous how we make idols of this stuff. But it was going on way back then. Now, through the remainder of Corinthians, Paul is coming down pretty hard on the Corinthians. I mean, he gets pretty chippy with them. He gets sarcastic with them. He rebukes them sharply. But it starts off with Paul's love for the church and God's love for the church. And it's ending. Here Paul is just, he's just been 
you know, really coming on him pretty hard. And now he says this to him. He says, now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia. Now he's on his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus and he's writing to them. Now he spent a little over two years in Ephesus on this journey right here where he's writing this. And no doubt he had received a letter saying, hey, we've got some issues here. We've got some problems, Paul. We're, we're not in unity. We've got some division going on. So as Paul is teaching in Ephesus, he's sitting down and writing a letter, or he's probably dictating it, and he's going to send it to him. But then he tells him this. After all of the, the pretty strong language, he says, man, I want, to, I want to come see you guys. This is something that is missing in Christianity today. We're so thin-skinned. We're so soft. We're so that feminism, American-type male today that we, we can't disagree without being little babies. Listen, my closest friends and I, we, we can get into vigorous knockdown dragouts over you know important things in the Scriptures that if you were an outsider and didn't know us, you would probably think the only thing left to do is throw fists, you know? But we might look at the clock and say, hey, it's lunchtime. Where do y'all want to go eat? Christians can vigorously debate things. But if we're Christians, overarching all that, we love each other. Now, we're, we're serious about what we believe is truth. But I just don't, I don't find that many people that are able to do that. Maybe I'm just the odd, weird guy. I don't know. But I think it ought to be like that a little bit. I mean, we should vigorously, we should... We should hold to what we believe and let's, let's hash these things out. But, but Paul says this. He says, when I come to you, when I, pa- I want to come to you when I pass through Macedonia. And then in, in verse 6 he says, and it may be that I will remain, or look, he says, even spend the winter with you that, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Now, when Paul was coming, he, he says right in the next verse, I'll just get ahead of myself, He says, I don't wish to see you now on the way. And what he's saying is this. He says, when I come, I want to spend some time with you. I mean, have you ever done this? And if you've ever come by my house, don't say you've done this, okay? But sometimes you want to go see somebody, but you know you don't really have the time. And you don't want to just stop by and have a cup of coffee because you know what's going to happen. You're going to talk too long anyway. And you've got to be somewhere. Paul says, I don't want to just have a quick hey, how are you doing? He says, no, I want to I come to you and I want to spend some time there. First, I think it's because Paul loved them. I think, I think he had a great love for this church. I mean, you've got to remember, as bad as they were acting, Paul was the one that preached the gospel where they were saved. And secondly, I think he wanted to spend some time with them because he's writing a letter, but he wants to make sure they stay on the right course. They needed their, the one that had, had started them, that had planted them, that God had sent to them. And Paul was very good about lining things out. You know, he was, he, look, if you don't want to take it easy, he said, we can bring the rod. He's told that in places, you know. When I come to you, which way do you want it, you know? And, and I think he wanted to spend that time with him. Let's go back over things again. Let's get this, let's get this ship going in the right direction. And then he says this at the end of that, of, of verse 6, and he says, listen to this. This is a crazy sounding thing. He says that, that I want to spend the winter with you. He says that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Now he had just told us in verses 1 through 4 
Not talking about your tithe, if you want to call it a tithe, if you want to say giving, I don't, I'm not going to argue that, you know. But he's not talking about the giving to the local church. He's talking about the church every week laying something aside. And I would, I would encourage you to do this. Lay something aside. Mark it. This is for just whatever comes up, you know. Have it ready to go. Like if Brady says, hey man, we, get, we know a missionary over here. You know, I remember the time when Pete Sheff... What's his name? Sherwood. 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 That's a cool name, by the way. Pete Sherwood. I mean, that just says Robin Hood everywhere, right? But, but when he was needing a vehicle or something, if churches had this, like, ready to go, we could make a few phone calls and say, man, brother, we, we got you covered. And that's what this was for. Now, here's Paul. He says, I want to spend the winter with you that you can send me on my way. He don't mean just like say, hey, see you. No, he's saying send me, provide. And then he says, wherever I go. I told our church today, I said, can you imagine us having a missionary saying, I'd like for you all to send me out wherever I'm going. We'd be like, what? No, when you're, when you're dealing with missionaries and things like that, you want to know that the people that you're sending out are godly people, they're qualified people, they're trustworthy. You know that they're... They're really in tune with the Spirit of God. And so, so that's in the first point. that it, These are Paul's personal plans, okay? But now we get to verse 7, and we look at if the Lord permits. That's the second point. If the Lord permits. And he says, now I'll, read it, I'll read it again. He says, I do not wish to see you now on the way. But he says, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits. Now, this is that part where we need to be ready. We need to be flexible, if you want to say it like that. I, I know in John MacArthur's commentary, he talks about being flexible. I tell people a lot of times, I say, man, I'm real flexible. I can turn on a dime. Now, I am not flexible physically. I could never touch my toes, even in my best athletic days, and I still can't. I mean, it's probably just the fact I got short arms. I'm sure that's probably what the problem is there. But, but we need to be flexible in a, in a way that if it, it, we, can, we can believe we're doing this, but then if God says, no, I need you to go over here, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, but we need to be flexible in that we can turn. You see, what can happen a lot of times is we can get our minds so set and fixed on what... Listen... We believe it's the Lord's will. It's something that you could say would be biblical. You could say, well, God has called us to do this in a general way. And we can get so fixed on it that we can get so hard-headed that we're really not listening to what God is saying. You know. And so, when He says, if the Lord permits, I want to give you some examples. And I'm not going to turn there, just probably for time's sake. But... but when you think about God directing your steps, see, here's the American way we do it. Everything is perfectly working out, right? I mean, we've been praying about it, and all of a sudden these people are like begging us to come. Somebody comes and says, I've got a quarter million dollars, I just want to give to somebody. We're going, man, I know God is in this, right? And you could say, in a direct sense, God is leading us. But have you ever thought that God sometimes directs your steps with persecution? After Stephen was stoned to death, he started 
wreaking havoc on the church and persecution came and the disciples, they just started scattering. That's what it what, uh, says in Acts chapter 8, 1. And here's Stephen. I mean, I mean, not Stephen, Philip. And Philip takes off running and when he stops running, he finds himself smack dab in Samaria. What's he do? Now these are the hated, the Jews hate the Samaritans. I don't know if they hated the Samaritans or the Gentiles were, but they hated both of them. What what does Philip start doing? He starts preaching. People start hearing the gospel. People start, many people started getting saved. The church of Jerusalem sends Peter and John, go check this situation out. They come down and people are filled with the Spirit. I mean, instantly, Philip has what every pastor wants. He has a mega church, right? And things are going great. I mean, their people are learning, they're growing, and all of these. And then God sends an angel to Philip, and the angel says, You need to leave here and you need to go down to Gaza. Now, at this time, the Gaza Strip at one time was the main way that they would go from north to south, like from, you know, into Israel to Africa and all that. But it was the old highway. It was no longer the, the, the busy one. They had put another road in, and that's where all the traffic was. But the Spirit of God is telling him this, you need to go down to Gaza. He doesn't ask no questions. You know what he does? i got to go, guys. But wait a second. Who's going to teach the church in Samaria? Oh, God will bring somebody. He probably already had somebody there. So what does he do? He goes down, and when he gets down there, the Spirit says, Go join yourself to that chariot. So I assume there was probably more. There was an Ethiopian man had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way back home, and he's in this chariot, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit says, you need to go to that one right there. He walks up. He doesn't tell him exactly what to say, but he says, hey, what are you reading there, partner? Well, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. He said, what do, you, do you understand it? No, he said, I need somebody to tell me what it means. Can I have a seat? And he starts preaching Christ to him out of Isaiah. And the man gets saved. And then the Spirit takes Philip and just, I don't know, I don't know if he flew him, I don't know what he did, but he took him somewhere else. You see, if the Lord permits, if the Lord permits me to stay in Samaria, I will. But if God directs me somewhere else, that's what I'm going to do. You've got to realize it isn't about you deciding what you're going to do so much. You can, you can feel God's call. You can know that. But listen, my wife and I spent over two years. I think we might have missed a night or two. But every night we would, we would get on our knees at the end of our bed, hold hands, and be praying about God sending us to Ireland. And we really came to the mind that we really believed God was taking us to Ireland. And then when we finally made up our mind, here was our plans, here was our heart's desire. And we said, we're going. We told our church we're going. Except there was one problem. There wasn't an open door. The, the visa laws had changed and, man, that door was shut. Well, that makes you wonder, but, but here's, it's just real simple. We had a desire to go do God's will. We wanted to go plant churches. We wanted to go preach the gospel. We had a desire to do that, and God said no. 
Maybe he said not yet. But he said no at the time. So you see, look, we, we read that about Philip. We, we, we can look at Peter when he's on the rooftop. He's up there taking a nap. He sees a vision. He's hungry. And he takes his nap. sees all this food. And, and the Lord says, rise up, kill and eat. No, Lord, I can't eat nothing common or unclean. No, I've never had that in my mouth. Three times, and the Lord tells him, he says, Peter, don't you call common or unclean what I've called clean. What does that vision mean? I mean, he wakes up, there's some men there, they said, hey, there's some guys who want to see you, and they say, man, our master, this Cornelius, he's a centurion, he sent us to you. An angel appeared to him, they tell him the story, and Peter's like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what, this nap was crazy, I mean, now this, he goes with them, and we see the door open to the Gentiles. Now I'm going to tell you something. Peter was perfectly content with the Jews being saved. He's opened the door to the Samaritans, but this is we're good. We're just going to rest on all the work we've done right here. And God says, no, I've got some more work. You've got to go to them filthy Gentiles. Aren't you glad he went to the Gentiles? I am, me too. And so, so he goes to the Gentiles and we see that. Well, look at Paul and his pre-conversion. Here Paul had some great plans. I mean, before Paul was a Christian, his heart's desire was to eradicate you and I. He had, he had authority. He had letters from the chief priest. He could go up to Damascus. He could take all the people that were Christians. He could arrest them, put them in jail. If they refused too much, let's just put them to death. When Paul could tell he was getting close, I mean, you could just see the guy foaming at the mouth. One problem happened. He had a divine appointment with Jesus Christ that he didn't know about yet. And he gets saved. In Acts chapter 26, this is what happens to, to this, is what, this is what Jesus told Paul. Acts chapter 26. This is, a, he, this is when he's standing before Fe, or, yeah, Felix and Agrippa, King Agrippa. And he's, he's giving them, he's, he's, re, he's, he's recounting his conversion to them. And I'm going to pick up in verse 14. And it says, and, and when, when we had all fallen to the ground, this light from heaven had came down. Paul says, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And then listen to this. He says, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so this is Paul's purpose, right? What's Paul mainly, chiefly going to do? He's going to go to the Gentiles. Now, where Brady read the entire chapter to us, we're not going to read the whole chapter of chapter 16 in Acts, but this is after Paul's conversion, okay? I want you to keep something in mind. Do you remember what the Great Commission tells us to do? We're to go into all the world, right? And to preach the gospel unto every creature, right? And yeah, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and 
That's what we're to do. That's, that's the great commission. There's only two things that Christians do. We preach the gospel and we make disciples. And that's under the heading of everything we do is to glorify God. If you want to simplify Christianity, now under discipleship, there's a whole lot to it, okay? But I want you to listen to this. We, talk, we call, commonly call it the Macedonian call, and I know Brady read it, but I'm going to read it again. In, 16, in chapter 16, verse 6 of Acts, he says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia, the region of Galatia. Now this is Paul, this is Silas. They've picked up Timothy. There's probably some other men with them. It says, they'd gone through these places in, in the region of Galatia, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word in Asia. Now wait a second, I thought we were to preach the Gospel in the whole world. I have a feeling that Paul said, Hey brothers, I, I think we're going to go to Asia and the Holy Spirit said, I, I forbid you to go there. That doesn't really fly with the way that we talk about it today, does it? He goes right on and he says this, Then they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Here's two places. I was telling the church earlier today, when Randy and I first started talking about trying to go to Ireland, had a guy that was in a missionary agency. I'm not real big on them. I'm not saying they're evil, but I just believe the local church is what God has instituted. And I believe it's the local church that should be sending missionaries out. I think if you're a small church, you should band together with other small churches and send them out. That it could be done under the the leadership and the lead and the guide of the local church. But... They, they, weren't, they weren't able to go. And so when Randy and I were wanting to go to Ireland, this guy tells me, he says, man, come down, you know, because it was like, you've got to have a sending agency. He says, come down and get with us, man, meet our president, man, he is so awesome. He says, and we can help you discover where you really need to go. What? What does that mean? Well, a lot of people feel like, you know... And so he said that to me, and he says, you know, like what we do sometimes in our, in our agency is we, we see that we're, we can see God is moving over here, and there's nothing going on here, so we, we, re, we relocate these guys over here. So it's like this constant, oh, the fish are biting over here. You know, everybody throws there ain't no fish biting. Can I tell you something? We're not the Holy Spirit. No mission agency is the Holy Spirit. I don't care how sharp you think you are. I don't care what your experiences were in the past when God was working with you. You're not the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be. Stop the nonsense. Your pastor's not the Holy Spirit. My goodness, what? we get that thrown on us a bunch. I mean, we're supposed to have the magical answers. You're sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, but here's the thing. They couldn't go to Asia. They couldn't go to Bithynia. It says they passed through Mysia and they came to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And we get into the whole thing. 
when they arrive, they get to they get there and they see here's here's some women meeting at the river. Why? You know what that means? There wasn't a man to lead them. When the women would gather at the rivers because there were no men present to lead this. So women would, this was customary, they would gather at the river just for, just for prayer. And God takes him first to Lydia and the women that were with her. And we see Lydia's heart is open up. It looks like the rest of them. And people were getting saved. And they're hanging out there. They're preaching all this. And then they get, you know, it, it's kind of like sometimes at the bus station. The strangest people are on our side. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think this is really beneficial for us. It's like the strangest tweaker over here is like, man, these are the men of God, you know. And you're like, hey, could you stand over there? We'd just like to preach to you. <laughs> well, it, take that and, and compound it a bunch, and that's what you're getting. I mean, it, she was flat annoying them, the Bible says. That's what mine says. They, they, they're just like, Paul just finally said, I've had enough of this. And he turns and he casts out the evil spirit from her. And she was in bondage and slavery. She was in bondage to that, but she was in slavery to men who basically, in a type of way, were pimping her out for their livelihood. So when their livelihood is gone, what happens to Paul? Well, they get arrested. They get beat thoroughly. They get placed in the inner prison where it's painful. They're beaten and bruised. And I mean, it's probably, it's, it's probably bad all the way around. Now, when God leaves, isn't it supposed to go well? I mean, that's the way it works, right? It's supposed to go well. Somewhere in there, I think Paul said, Hey, Silas, you want, you want to lead us in some prayer real quick? Do you remember that song we used to sing? And they begin to praise God and they begin to pray to Him. They begin to praise the Lord. Prison shakes with an earthquake. Doors are open. The jailer's going to kill himself. Paul says, stop. We're all here. Can you imagine the prisoners staying? I mean, it doesn't say it, but it sure seems like those prisoners were listening to the message too. The jailer and his whole household is saved that night. Saved and baptized. How, how in tune with the Spirit of God are we? I think sometimes we... We leave Sunday, even as pastors, and you know we're just checking out on Monday and Tuesday, just waiting for Wednesday to roll around. We got to do something. I can't remember what it was, but I got to get ready for something. And when I get through Wednesday, man, I, I'm just waiting on Sunday. And we're just like the Levite and the priest. It's just going right by the man that's been beaten, been stripped, been robbed, left, left there just waiting to die. And a lowly Samaritan comes by. Man, so when Paul is saying, I, I want to come and I want to spend some time with you, Paul had learned, if the Lord permits. It's like when we say, if it's the Lord's will. If, if, it's, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do that. If the Lord permits me to come, I want to come spend some time with you. I'm going to tell you something in life. The people that you are closest to, they got Justin Wright's going to be coming here in a couple of weeks. And we have a pretty long history now. A little over, I mean, it's about going on about, what, 22 years, something like that. And uh, they've just been just incredible friends to us. 
I have a lot of best friends, but, but he's definitely in that class of people. But when we, when we were elders at Sovereign Grace, we didn't get to spend much time with each other. And we saw each other in church, we'd always like, hey, what's going on, man? You know, I just, you know, he's busy. But like it used to be when we were small, we got to see each other all the time. Now we just, every so often, we'd say, hey, y'all want to y'all come over? And it was always so refreshing. I mean, it was just, you know, it was like, man, we just don't get to do this. And, that's, and, and, in, and in ministry, a lot of times it's that way. It could be with churches you've been a part of and you just long to see them. So, you know, but, but where God is leading. See, what you can't do is you can't be looking back at the past and dwelling on, oh man, the good old days. You can't be looking at what you want to do if you want to go to Ireland or wherever it is. That may never happen. You've got to focus where God has called you right now. This is a small little church. One day it may be a thriving 300 plus member church. Who knows? But right now, at this time in your life, God has brought you here. Be Live in the moment. Be right here. The third point is this. In, uh, I've got to get back over to Corinthians, but in verse, uh, verse 8 and 9, I call this point just staying put. Now what was Paul's primary calling? He was, uh, he was an apostle, but he was, he was a missionary. He was an evangelist, right? He was, he was, he was sent out. I and mean, that's what the word apostle means, but we would think of it like evangelizing. And look what he says. Paul says, in verse 8, he says, now, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, now, here's Paul saying, if the Lord permits, but now he says, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. How could Paul confidently say that? Because it had been revealed to him, God had said, you're going to stay here in Ephesus. How do we know that? Because in verse 9, he says, for a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Paul was, was preaching at Ephesus, he, he, he goes and he finds the disciples of John there, and he, you know basically they're missing some of the message, and they didn't even really know of the Holy Spirit, however you want to look at that passage. And so he, he tells them, he preaches the gospel, they get baptized, and then he says, he goes three months into the, the synagogue, reasoning out of the scriptures, teaching them of the king, the things of the kingdom of God, and they, they don't like it. They're, they're against him, they're opposing him. And he goes to the house of a man named Tyrannus, or I, I don't know if it's a man or what it was, but for the next two years, he taught and trained them in this house. And you know what it says? So that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now you remember in chapter 16, he wants to go to Asia and the Spirit says no. In chapter 19, all of Asia... Now here's the thing. Asia is still out there a little ways. So I don't know if he's training people and sending them out. I don't know how it happened. But by Paul... Not going out, not going out and evangelizing. Now he is discipling. Remember the Great Commission. We're to go and evangelize, we're to disciple. When Paul went to Corinth the first time, he spent 18 months there with them before he left. 
See, Brady, everybody thinks of Brady primarily as a street preacher, an evangelist like that. Now God has said, you're going to pastor. I told the church today, I said, my, when you, if you were to ask me what my passion and my desire is, I want to go evangelize. I want to go plant churches. I want to go to other places and do this. And I told my wife, I said, man, I really feel like this is where I'm gifted. I feel like this is where I just get passionately fired up about it. She goes, I don't know about all that, but you keep finding yourself being a pastor without even trying. And I'm like, I know I don't even understand what's going on here. You see, we have to be in tune with the Spirit of the Lord. We have to be in tune to know what God is telling us to do. I'm not going to lie, I still yearn to do those things. George Mueller was called to get kids off the street and start an orphanage for boys. I used to think, I just picture these little junky places, you know. And these were big, elaborate buildings. And if you don't know the story, he never solicited even a penny. He just took all of his needs to the Lord in prayer. And God provided. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think the number of orphans that went through there was a little bit over 10,000. Back in a time that's not like today. But when George Mueller hit his 70s, you know what he did? Now, he was also pastoring a church. And he also had a... It was, it was, a, it was some kind of like a seminary type thing where he trained other men. He's doing all this stuff. And in his 70s, you know what he did? He went evangelizing. He went all over the world preaching the gospel. From 70 to like 90. So I'll tell you like I told the folks today... I don't care what your age is. If you ain't dead, God's not done with you. Okay? He's not, he's not finished with you yet. And I'm glad because I feel like I'm getting older by the second most of the time. So, so when, we, when we're looking at these things, now look, um, there's a time that we were to go. There's a time that we're to stay put. And even if you're here the rest of your life, You think, well, man, you're talking about Paul and you're talking about evangelism. No, listen to me. I'm talking about simple things like this, like you, if you're going to a job or if you're going to, if you're in school, going to college or anything like that, whatever it is that you may be doing, don't be so focused on you and what you're doing, trying to get it done. Slow down and pray. I mean, here's the thing. If you want to be sensitive to to the Spirit of God, You're going to have to be in His Word. You're going to have to be in prayer. You're going to have to be hearing from Him. And you're going to have to be speaking to Him. Making requests. And then as you're going along, you have to be in... You want to hear a crazy story about indirectly, you know? I went up to Montana. I I think I just met Brady. I mean, we just started kind of going on the streets. Or it was right around that time. So, in my cocky arrogance, I went up to Montana. I was going to show my buddy how easy this street preaching stuff was. He said, we didn't really preach. It was just handing out tracts. The first guy threatened to beat me up. So, I was like, don't usually go that way. But, later on, it was getting a little bit better. And so, we're walking down some street in Billings, Montana. And there was a, a, a gentleman. He was a, he was a black guy. And, which, I, I just say that because it really stands out in Montana. 
So we walk up to this guy and we say, you know, like, hey, I'd like to, you know, hand you this, you know, give you this gospel track. I don't know how we started it. But he stopped and he was very polite. He was listening. And as we're sharing the gospel, this man drops his head and just starts bawling. Now, here's what we think, right? We're just preaching the gospel. And he looks up at us and he says, you don't even know what's going on. We're like, "Uh, okay. This guy was from Chicago. He was in ministry out there. He was an associate pastor. Some bad things had happened in his life. He got really frustrated, overwhelmed. And one day he just started driving west. And when he ran out of money and everything, he was in Billings, Montana. He had a wife back in Chicago. He just went AWOL. Now, you want to talk about the Lord directing your steps? Now, I know my buddy Jack stayed in touch with him for some time after that. And we was like, well, brother, you know you're going to have to go home. And he goes, I believe that's why God put you men in my pathway today. And then we prayed for him. I mean, you see, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in tune with this with God, and, and you, those things happen. And, and, and so we need to remember that, that, that as God is leading. Now, I want to bring you to the next part right here, verses 10, uh, yeah, 10 through 12. And I want to talk to you about the right person. Now this kind of changes gears a little bit, but Paul is talking to this church, and look what he says. I'll be, I'll, I'm going to be quick on this, and I'm running a little bit longer than I'm used to nowadays, believe it or not. But here's the thing. He says, if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. And he says... Therefore, let, let no one despise him. Now, can you imagine having to write to a church and saying, hey, when this guy comes, let him come to you without fear. I don't want anybody here to despise him. Why in the world do you, would you think he would have to write a letter like that? Well, first of all, the Corinthians have gotten pretty arrogant, right? But here's the thing. Timothy was a young man. They already had their favorites. Here's Paul, the aged, you know. Here's Peter, and here's, here's Apollos, man. These guys are, I mean... Can you imagine them? Apollos can't come. He says, look, I've talked to Apollos about coming. I strongly urged him to come. But he says, I can't do it at this time. God's got me doing this work over here. I can't. He says, he's just unwilling to come. He's going to try to come when he can. They want Paul. They want Apollos. I mean, think about it. We go to conferences. I remember a few years ago, there was a conference up in uh, Tulsa. And there was about 200 people signed up. And all of a sudden, this guy pulled off the miracle and he got Paul Washer to come speak. The conference went from like 200 to I think six or 800 overnight. And when Paul got through speaking, guess what? The original 200 were left there to listen to the rest of the conference. Pathetic. My goodness, it's pathetic. This nonsense these goobs do, you know? So here's the thing. He says, look, Timothy does the same work I do. I personally trained him. When he comes, I don't want you to look at him as like, oh, he's such a cute little pastor, you know? I mean, it's I, so often, you know, a young pastor will go into a place and he just fits the, the, you know, the Southern Baptist mold. You know, here's our young little pastor and everybody just loves him, right? 
Yeah, until he until he really preaches the word, and then they're threatening. You know, you, you know, I told this today that I remember hearing a guy say one time he preached till like twelve fifteen. He was told by a deacon, if that happens again, sonny boy, you'll be looking for a new job. Don't be threatening Timothy like that. Don't despise him. Why? Why would they despise him? Well, it could be it could be his age. You know, it, it could be. Uh, it's not who they wanted. It's not who they wanted. Um, you know, think about this. I mean, Brady is, is the, the pastor of the church here. And let's just say that somebody God brings somebody in and, and they're here. And let's just say the guy is not like Brady. You've grown to love Brady. You love the way he does it. But every time this guy preaches, everybody's like, ah. Like, what's the matter with y'all? Well, he's all right, you know, but Brady's so much better. Man, that's sin. That's sin. That's just so wrong. You see, not only does God lead you, but God will bring people to you. If God has brought a man to you like that, then you need to recognize that. And who God brings, you're not to try to scare off. You're not to... You're not to despise that person. You're to sit back and, and get to know this person, just like he's got to get to know you. Where you can start growing in love towards one another. But you need to, you need to, to learn that when God is bringing... You, you have no idea what this man may be able to do or not do by the Spirit of God in your life. You just don't know. And then when he talks about Apollos... Apollos was a guy they loved, man. He's, I, I guess probably he was the best preacher out of Paul and Peter and, and Apollos. I think he was probably the best preacher. He wasn't an apostle, but man, this guy was, boy, he was good. I mean, I, I think people would listen to him over Bodie. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, 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 and Apollos, you know, at this point, we're going back to the leading of the Spirit. Paul says, it's not, it's not time for me to go there. God's got me doing this work over here. No matter how Paul, strong Paul's like, Paul's man, it would be good if you could get there. Man, we've got a lot of problems, man. They love you. They love your preaching. I know you're sound in doctrine. Could you go? This happens today. They try to get, you know, one guy, one minister will try to get, you know, and they'll say, I can't do it. But the way you get it done is just offer them enough money and they'll come, right? It shouldn't be the way it works. Sometimes it is. So I want to give you this in the conclusion. And I hope I haven't, you know, confuse you in any of this. But the conclusion is this. The first thing is you need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. I, I look at Mr. Bob here and Miss Jean and met them like probably three, four months ago, something like that, and they were talking about moving. I don't think Oklahoma was probably in your plans ten years ago. I, I can't imagine Oklahoma being your plans. Right? I don't think it was in Angela's plans, you know. But... But God directs the steps. Uh, we need, and, and the thing is, is, this would probably be what we would call indirectly. Through, through you know, difficulties in life, this is how God providentially planned this move out. We need to be, I ain't got my glass, oh, we need to be willing that when God says go, that we go. But if we're a guy that loves to go, we need to be willing to stay. If we're a guy that would rather stay, if God says go, we need to be willing to go. It's not based on what you want. It's based on you submitting to the sovereign plan and the sovereign hand of God. 
The third one is this. You need to be flexible. You need to be ready in a moment's time. Uh, we build houses. Man, this is our dream house. This is the end all for us, right? I'm going to caution you against that a little bit. It's a house. I don't care if you got to plant it yourself. It's a house. And guess what? In the end, it's just going to rot anyway. This ain't the house you're laboring for. Okay? You're not home yet. Quit acting like it. So you need to be ready in a moment's time to go where God wants you to go. I remember hearing a missionary say one time, he says, how far will you go with the Lord before you tell Him it's too far? That one rocked my world. If the Lord is leading and He's saying, follow me, do we get the right to say, I've gone as far as I'm going, Lord? Do you really want that separation? I mean, as little kids, sometimes they get lost, right? But the place they want to be is right up there next to Mama, right? More, Even more than Dad. So, and the last one is this. And it's obedience, but I qualify with this. Joyful obedience. Don't go do the Lord's work with a grudge. Me and my wife, you know, when we, when we came to Bowlegs, I could sense that God was opening doors. Brady had... Brady had contacted me about coming and helping in this work. This was my wheelhouse. I'm telling you the things I love to do, plant churches, things like that. And as much, I hated when he would call me because I, I just could not. I told my wife so many times, I said, I just can't pull the trigger. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there you go. And, uh, but, but it was like this. And then, you know, I had another guy call me about something and at the same time, the whole Ireland thing was going on. And then these guys show up from Bowlegs. And, and I could sense the Lord opening doors. My wife wasn't feeling it near as much. And, and uh, there was some struggle there. Because the truth is, we loved our church. We didn't want to leave. We, you know, we'd gone through some really hard years. Small numbers. And we were, man, we had arrived. We were on autopilot. Not really, but church was growing and... And see, what you can't do in life is you can't be looking back at what you've done. I can tell you testimonies of how God has used me, but I can't just stop here and go, eh, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, you know. It's kind of like athletes when they retire. They can talk about all the this games or fights or whatever they had, but they're not doing it now. Well, Paul never stopped. I mean, the only time he stopped is when they chopped his head off. That's when it ended for him. Even if you stuck him in prison, he was still preaching to somebody. I'm going to leave you with this, Romans 8.28. And I've gone a little bit longer than I wanted, and I apologize for that. But Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Everything in your life, the high notes, the, the low points, the in-between, whoever your parents were, whoever your siblings were, everything, the, the work that you've done, the work that you failed to do, everything, God is using it all to conform you to the image of Christ for His purpose. Amen? Alright. You going to come up and finish this or you me pray? Father, I'd like to just come before You. And thank You, God, for Your goodness. I ask You, Lord, that You would... uh, 
I, I pray for 116 Bible Church as, as just a, a fellowship of believers. I'm thankful for these, these saints. I'm thankful for them. I pray, Father, that they would focus so much on Christ and that's it, that there would be such a love for Christ and it would just flow over to one another. Help us all, Lord, not to quit worrying and thinking about numbers. You have said, I will build my church. Sometimes we see things or churches around just growing. I praise you, Lord. But if this is where this is at right now, if this is the, the steps you've directed here, then we're going to rejoice in it. And we're going we're gonna to grow. God help us to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit. We have plans, we have desires, we have dreams. We want to share those with you, make our request. But in our prayers, you're going to conform our will to yours. And that's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.